I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Introducing Barker and Stonehouse Garden Furniture. Find inspiration for your outdoor space with our stylish collections of garden furniture and accessories, now with up to 25% off. Visit one of our 11 nationwide stores or find us online at barkerandstonehouse.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the RHS Gardening Podcast. I'm Chris Young, editor of the RHS members magazine The Garden. If you're a glutton for gardening, you may also have heard me hosting our sister production, The Garden Podcast, where we meet the people behind the stories in the magazine, which is the UK's biggest gardening mag. Today I'm moonlighting over here, so I can tell you about my recent visit to RHS Garden Rosemore in Devon. It's a gem of a garden, nestled in the lush West Country landscape, and now with a stunning new cool garden, ideal for hot summer days. More of that later. But first, soon a new garden will be joining the RHS stable, alongside Rosemore, Hyde Hall in Essex, Harlow Carr in North Yorkshire, and Wisley in Surrey. It's called RHS Garden Bridgewater, on the outskirts of Manchester, and it'll open in just over a year's time. The designs look amazing, and the teams are hard at work getting the garden ready for visitors. At the Tatton Park Flower Show, we met some of those involved to hear about the exciting plans for the site. Hi, I'm Tracy Snell. I'm garden manager for the Woodland and Estate at RHS Garden Bridgewater. And we look after the woodlands, the meadows and the historic terraces and historic lake. So 124 of the 154 acres of the site. The site was a former historic estate. It was the Duke of Bridgewater or later the Earl of Ellesmere and they very much kick-started some of the Industrial Revolution in Salford and in Manchester. They um, very much part and parcel of designing and building the Bridgewater Canal which runs to the south of our garden and that was to take coal from the pits over to Manchester and um, fuel the cotton industry and other industries in Manchester. It was requisitioned in the war Um, The Red Cross requisitioned it. We had a lot of soldiers come and recuperate there. There's lots of lovely historic pictures of them relaxing on our lake. And then later on, unfortunately, it burnt down and the family never moved back. And for the last 70 years, the scouts have been on site. There's lots of clearings in the woodland, which are signals of where they used to have their powwows and where they camped. And what's beautiful about the connection of the people with the site is so many people say, oh, I used to camp, or my brother used to camp, or... 
my grandchildren camped on the site as scouts and in fact some of the staff that we've got on site also camp there as scouts and have real memories of that association the kind of life there people have such a passion for the place and it's really lovely to see so many people have great stories we have a brilliant set of tour guides that are taking people on tours at the moment we run two a day and they have such a connection to that site they understand the history of it and they can really bring that to life so that people not only see it as a sea of diggers and dumpers and construction but also get a window into what it used to be like before we took over so Bridgewater's set on a large south-facing slope and the landscape opens up and to your left you will have the wall gardens and then beyond it the lakes and woodlands and meadows. As you get to site and you park up at the car park you'll be walking through a really contemporary looking welcome building and as you walk out to that the landscape opens up and you have some great vistas that go through the Tom Stuart Smith's designed entrance garden out to the woodlands which are the wider historic woodlands of the estate and as you go through the garden on the main routeway in you've got a series of what are called space frames they're large pergola type structures and they lead you into either the community areas of the garden or into the kitchen garden or paradise garden which are form part of our historic wall garden estate which is being designed in a more contemporary way for people to enjoy you also get the choice as you carry on you can turn and go straight through and go through the woodlands you can meet our pigs that will be happily living in the woodlands there and then head on to the historic lake that will be part restored part of it will be restored and the water will back in and then you can look up to the old terraces which you will see as a series of raised embankments and level areas we will have tamed and reclaimed some of those they're really overgrown at the present and so part of my team's job is to maintain some of them and clear some of the overgrown woodland that's establishing. We're currently in the process of completing the physical build so footpaths, bed edges, buildings for Tom Stewart Smith's designed Paradise Garden, Harrisburg's designed Kitchen Gardens and Tom Stewart Smith's designed Welcome Garden or Voronoi. They're very much a sea of cranes and diggers and dumpers and machinery everywhere and you start to see the bare bones of what the plans were like. We are yet to start planting. Come September time we will start planting those gardens up and we have probably something around 100,000 plants to get planted ready for next year to move the RHS forward and kind of looking at somewhere else to create a new garden. They looked at about 20 sites along the sort of west of England and this one really captured the imagination because it had so much history involved in the site but also it's next to communities that would really benefit from our charitable outreach work and so we have one of the largest teams of outreach based at Bridgewater and although they're based at Bridgewater they spend more time in the local community greening up parks working with community groups working with schools and really trying to give back although we're creating a garden we want to give back to the local community where that garden's going to be based
Bridgewater really is such an exciting project. There's so much to look forward to, not only the awakening of this garden on the 150-acre site, but also the links with the community, the new plants going in, the new designs with some of the best garden designers in the land. It really is going to be a garden for everybody. And having seen it a couple of years ago, I'm looking forward to going to see how it looks actually this September. And I just know that I'm going to be blown away by the amount of changes and the amount of excitement that's happening at Bridgewater. You can find links to more information about RHS Garden Bridgewater and how you can get involved on our programme page at rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast. Regular listeners will know that this podcast is all about advice and getting the best from your plants and gardens. And now for a bit of different type of advice. Gardening is incredibly good for mental and physical well-being, we all know that, but sometimes accidents do happen. But many of those problems can be avoided by thinking about how we garden, to avoid back and knee strain for example, and reducing risks of injuries from tools. Each year hundreds of people hurt their hands or fingers when pruning and many of these injuries are preventable. We're about to enter peak season for hedge pruning. So before you pick up your secateurs, loppers or trimmers, here's an expert surgeon's advice on gardening a bit more safely. My name is Professor Gray Giddens. I'm a hand surgeon. So as such, I treat problems of the elbow, wrist and hand. So common injuries that the gardeners get can really be thought of, I think, under four headings of cuts, overuse, crushing injuries and falls. So cuts, these will include cuts from sharp vegetation, cuts from thorns and um, sharp tools. And the particular ones that I would concentrate on would be from thorns. There are certain thorns, particularly blackthorn, which if they get in under the skin can cause quite a strong reaction. It's thought to be due to the proteins on the thorn. But also almost any biological material, such as a splinter, that gets in under the skin and stays there can cause an appreciable reaction. And if as a garden you've got a big splinter in there and don't think you've got it all out, it's certainly worth seeking some assistance for that. Next, I would consider overuse injuries. And I think that this this applies really to all ages, but probably a bit more to older gardeners, so late middle age and older age. And I think it's very easy to go out into the garden, perhaps in spring when there's lots to be done and you're keen to get on with it, and perhaps spend too long doing a task. So I would recommend tending to pace this out a bit. So conditions you can get are trigger finger where you get pain on bending the fingers and they may stick down. You can get tennis and golfer's elbow. You can get irritation of the biceps tendon. And if you've got a bit of wear and tear arthritis, that can be flared up by overuse. So it's worth planning that. The next type of injuries would be a crush injury. You probably have all heard of spectacular injuries with lawnmowers that have been thought to turn off and people that put their hands in and they can lose fingers or quite a lot of their hand. Hedge trimmers, they're commonly used and obviously can be very effective, but it's easy to either think it's been turned off and it's still just moving and cuts a finger or people lose balance 
and then they fall and then cut the opposite hand. I recently had to treat a patient who'd cut through quite a lot of their index finger and lost a lot of bone and damaged nerve and tendon. And they'll always have compromised function of that finger. And finally, there are falls. So people need to be careful when they put a ladder up on the wall that it really is secure. And particularly if you start pulling and wrenching at things while you're on a ladder, it's very easy for it to topple over. I know that. I did that many years ago and was lucky to get away with only a minor injury. Whilst we all uh, slightly balk at the health and safety culture we have now, sometimes just taking a moment to think about how you're going to do something, if it's a bit awkward or what's the safest way or what tool might you need. And I think it's easy, and I include myself in this, to be a bit impatient. So maybe you're going to cut something and you've got a pair of secateurs, but it really needs a bit of a heavier instrument but it's a bit of a hassle to go back to the garden shed. So you have a go then, and then you injure yourself. Or you're perhaps pulling out some roots, and you then pull too hard. I think overuse is a particular problem. So you set to do some weeding, and you're making good progress, and time goes on, and suddenly you've done maybe a couple of hours of it. And then the next day, you'll have quite a lot of pain because you've overdone the thing. I personally recommend to everyone they wear gloves, but I know that there's an element of personal preference. Um, My wife doesn't particularly like wearing gloves in the garden. I think I know that gardeners like to have that sort of tactile feel of the plants, but I think it does a number of things. Obviously, it protects against thorns and cutting yourself from sharp vegetation. But also, when you've got a glove on and you grip, you're not having to grip quite so hard so that you're then producing less force, you've got a bit more grip friction. So that probably reduces the amount of loading you have to do. It's also worth remembering to make sure that your instruments are sharp and well-oiled. So it's easy at the end of the season just to put everything away, dig it out at the beginning of the new year, and it's not in top condition. And it's probably worth spending a bit of time just getting the instruments right to make them easier to use. In the event of an injury, I think the first thing is to make sure that the environment is safe so that if it's because of a lawnmower, you cut your finger, make sure it really is turned off. Make sure that, you know, if the ladder's fallen over, it's still not going to fall further and knock on someone. The next step is then to check what's gone on and seek help. Now, if it's something simple, you've got a splinter in there, well, Probably don't rush at pulling it out, but go inside, take a bit of time, get it under some good light, because your first go at pulling out the splinter will be the best go. If it's a more serious injury, then elevate the hand and get help. Obviously, if there's no one in the house or around, you might need to even call the emergency services, but hopefully it won't be as serious as that. If it's just a simple cut, then clean it under the tap. There's no need to use sterile water for these. Um, Tap water is normally fine. Obviously, if you get a more severe injury, you may need to go to A&E. And then if you've got one of these wear and tear injuries, something like trigger finger or tennis elbow, obviously rest initially, ice it, avoid the provocative activity. If it's not settling, then there's quite a lot of treatments that we can do. And so people should go and see their GP, and if they're not winning, ask to see a hand specialist like a hand surgeon.
You can find links to more information about the topics discussed, plus links to details of summer events at Gardens Nationwide on our programme page. Recently, I was lucky enough to visit RHS Garden Rosemore. It's one of our four gardens and is nestled in the North Devon landscape. It's a great site and has a huge range of plants. But one of the new exciting areas that has just been unveiled is the Cool Garden. Rosemore has so much to offer, from large landscape to a lake to fruit and veg, but also it has this cluster of garden rooms at the very centre of the garden. And it's one of these garden rooms which is hedged by box and yew trees that's been replaced. Joe Thompson has come up with this design for the cool garden, and it really is a cool space to be in. Not only does the landscape and the contour of the land fall away from you, but so do the swirls of the path, the swirls of the water feature, and this really exuberant but cool, relaxing planting palette that she's created. The Spiral Garden, which it replaces, was actually created in 1992, and it was due for a change. Next door to the cool garden is actually a place called the Hot Garden, where vibrant colours contrast and give a really uplifting, energetic space. And so the cool garden was designed to be at the other end of the spectrum to that, and it does that so well. There's some key areas in it. As I say, there's these beds which seem to curve round and follow the contour of the site. There's buddleias, there's artemisias growing on low ground level. There's a whole range of grasses, perennials, shrubs and some birch trees as well. And so there's an interesting plant mixture there. But it's the colours, the silvers, the purples, the dots of oranges, the whites that actually bring the tone and the space together. There's also a series of water ponds and rills, and so the idea is that some of the rills you can even put your feet in and dabble around in to really help you cool down on a summer's day. But the water really gives that feeling of flow and movement through the space, again exacerbating the fact that this garden is on a slope. What really interests me in walking around this garden, looking at the blue skies, hearing the birdsong, is also experiencing what's happening around the garden. Rosemore has a fabulous backdrop in the valley of a woodland and as you're walking around the cool garden you can look up you see the clipped formal shape of the hedges but also you can see the rows of the trees and the woodland behind. It really is a really safe inviting enticing space to be in and it's somewhere that you can sit back relax enjoy the planting and really get some ideas on how to create a cool and muted palette. Now the garden's only been in a few months, but for anyone visiting now, you'll see something really looking quite mature. Many of the plants that have gone in were really quite big, and so you can see how the space is going to change and alter over the coming years. It really is a highlight to Rosemore, and really well worth a visit. If you're looking for a good excuse to come and see the cool garden, there's also the fact that Rosemore has its very own flower show, which runs from Friday the 16th to Sunday the 18th of August. That's all we've got time for today. We'll be back in a fortnight. 
In the meantime, enjoy your gardening this summer. For me, there's still plenty to do in the garden. I'm actually making myself sit back and relax and enjoy some of the planting I did earlier in the season. So I've got some orange flowering crocosmia sitting next to Stipe tenuissima, the grass, billowing in the wind on the back of our patio. And those plants are really knitting together ever so well. And I'm also thinking about some of the jobs I'm going to be doing in September and October, where we think of autumn work and maybe moving a few plants here and there. But that's to come in the future. In the meantime, I'm Chris Young, and I'll leave you with the latest in our mini-series of joyful garden memories from our other garden lovers. Thanks for listening from me and the podcast team. Hi, my name is Tainia Suonio. I'm from Finland, and this is my joyful garden memory. I lived in a small village in Finland. It was rural countryside, and um, there were our neighbor lady. They had five boys and one girl, and her pride and joy was her garden. I was able to help her some days when she was maintaining her garden, and you know it was a big deal. It was very small, actually. There was just a couple of flower beds. And they were mainly violas and um, dahlias. She was using them. The dahlias would have been her pride and joy. When I was allowed to help her at her garden, it made me to feel very special. The flowers, if you look them closely, they're full of details. And I think when, as a designer, when you are doing a designing, you are looking in the details. And I, I think I got that from her. My name's Andy Sturgeon and I'm a garden designer. When I was a kid, we had these stately old apple trees and, and every year we would be sent up. I think the youngest member of the family, and I was, it was usually me, was sent up into the tree uh, to prune everything out. So the old apple trees, they were, they were all exactly the same age. They must have been planted all at the same time and they had really gnarly old bark. They had these great branches that you could just sit and hang in. And I particularly remember the sort of algae that grew and the lichen that grew on the surface of the bark. And so whenever you got back down from that trip, you were always covered in green. The most joyful thing about those gardening experiences was really about the contact with nature. So sitting in a tree, looking at the world from a different perspective, but being up close and you know, seeing insects crawling around on the bark, seeing the birds come into the trees. And I think it was probably more that the contact with nature that got me into gardening rather than the love of plants themselves. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. 
With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> 